This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. Would you go with me, please, to the book of Numbers? Specifically, Numbers chapter 21. Happy Father's Day to the fathers. You're awesome. We've had numerous conversations over the last several days, and I believe that um, that a big part of what's taking place in our society and our culture is um, from the need of fathers. And so thank you, fathers, and those that have a fathering heart, even if you're not a father, uh, those that are spiritual men, spiritual leaders that are standing up and trying to lead people and guide people in the right direction, I appreciate you today, and I honor you. Um, I thank you so much for that. I don't know how you feel. Mr. Tommy, if you could give me a little bit more monitor. I feel like I'm going to struggle. Uh, I don't know how you feel about this series, but I have enjoyed m- tremendously this number series. Uh, I don't know how many times you've ever read the book of Numbers. Probably, realistically, if we would be honest, you've not read it a ton of times. Uh, so I do hope that in some way, shape, or form, if nothing else, you've seen that out of some of the most, um, if you will, kind of, we'll go with boring uh, to me, it's not. It's intriguing, and I love finding the interesting in what somebody else might would consider the boring. But I do hope that you've seen in every part of the Word of God, we can find uh, God moving. We can find, first of all, Jesus. And, and where we're going to get back to at the end of the day today is all going to come back to Jesus. And so I hope that you've enjoyed that. I have thoroughly enjoyed it. I enjoy when I sit down um, to, to sort through kind of where I'm headed and where I'm going. I enjoy the challenge. And I purposely do challenge myself to find something that's different, to find something that um, is applicable and that God could use in this moment, in this day, out of something that is realistically ancient text. And so I do hope that you've enjoyed it. I hope that you also, uh, the tagline for this has been preparation for the promise. And I hope that you're following along and you've realized that every, we're on week five, next week concludes this series. I hope that you've kind of realized that every one of these is a building block and every part, every message, every part of these messages has been preparing us for something more, right? I don't care where we are in our walk with God. I don't care what part of life we're in. We're constantly on the move. And if we get stagnant, if we get to a place where we stop, uh, I don't know if you've ever been around water that is not moving, but it's stagnant water. It stinks, right? It's not any fun. It breeds mosquitoes. And uh, we used to have beavers that would dam up the ponds and the creeks and it would flood. It would create a mess. And it was horrible because still water is no good, right? Water that's trickling, that the, the Lord will lead you by some still water, meaning he'll let you slow down and take a drink. That, that's, that's different. But for you to stop and stand still long enough to get stagnant is not good. So we're constantly on this journey. There is a place, whether you see it or whether you know it or not, God is taking you somewhere. 
There's, there's this new place in your spiritual walk with him you've got to get to. There's this new place in your personality. There's this new place in your attitude. There's this new place in, in your, the way that you act, the way that you look, the way that you feel. There's a new place in the people that you're reaching. Whatever it is, God is constantly moving us, right? Can we agree on that? And so it doesn't matter. This, that's what's been so cool to me about this sermon series is it's applicable to everybody in all walks of life because we're all on a journey. We're all on this, this way, some way where it's through parenting or marriage or this, this older part of life through our health. It don't matter where we are, we're all on a journey. And so this whole, this whole series, the whole thought has been uh, preparation for the promise, the promise being where we're headed and where we're going and God's preparing us every step of the way. So I hope that you have been keeping up and I hope that maybe you are aware of those messages and you're kind of keeping up with what's going on. If not, uh, thanks to some awesome guys that stay in the back corner, you can always go back and check them out. Uh, You can go back and listen on a podcast. And if you want to do something challenging, I can help you speed that up. And if you think I drag around and I take my time getting to a point, you can listen to it twice as fast. And it would sound like that, but you can tune your ears to it and you can do it. Um, I listened to on Thursday, I was cutting a little grass. I listened to Jensen Franklin preach six different sermons in the course of about an hour and a half. It's possible. So I'm just telling you, I got every word. I know exactly what he said, um, but I'd be happy to help you do that because all of our sermons, thanks to uh, Brother Tommy. Happy birthday, by the way, uh, Mr. Tommy. He's got a double, double dose going on today, but thanks to him, our podcasts are up to date. Carter and Sammy are doing a fantastic job with YouTube. You can keep up with all that. Let's move forward. Numbers chapter 21. This is following last week. And if you remember last week, um, we looked at this, this issue going on with Moses and Aaron. And I told you that uh, they made the mistake. We could go back to Exodus chapter 17 and we see basically the same kind of situation going on where the people are mad. They ain't got nothing to drink. And Moses is aggravated. We said that he's gone through this point of loss where he's already lost uh, his sister. So he's dealing with the death of Miriam. And now he's there. And I told you that these faithless people are now kind of weighing on him. They're dragging on him. And he's at a point that when it comes down to it, God said, yeah, uh, you go over and you, you get the people around and you look at the rock over there and you speak to that rock. And when you speak to that rock, out of the rock is going to flow water. Moses cocks an attitude and he goes to the people and he, uh, first of all, blesses them out, calls them rebels. You're out of line. What's your problem? What's going on? And he himself strikes the rock with the staff. Water flows out. All the people drink and they're happy. The livestock have drink. But then very quickly the story turns when Moses and Aaron find out that they were disobedient. And because of their disobedience, they won't actually enter in. In between that and where we pick up today, Aaron actually dies. Um, it's to a point where Aaron has to die. He's, he's taken up to the top of the mountain. The Lord said, strip him of his cloak. And uh, he's going to die. And sure enough, he dies. So now we've got Moses who is left out of Miriam and Aaron. He's now lost both of them. And he's at this point. And so that's where we kind of pick up with this passage of scripture. I'm reading this out of the New American Standard Bible today. It says, when the Canaanite, the king of Arad, who lived in Negev, heard that Israel was coming by the way of um, Etherim, then he fought against Israel and took some of them captive. So Israel made a vow to the Lord and said, if you will indeed deliver this people into my hand, then I will utterly destroy their cities. The Lord heard the voice of Israel and delivered up the Canaanites, and then they utterly destroyed them in their cities. Thus, the name of the place was called Horma. Horma means destruction. Horma means destruction. Let's kind of look at this just a little bit. They're on their journey. 
right? They're on a journey. They're trying to make it to the promised land. They're trying to make it to the land God's promised for them. It's a straight shot. It should be this simple way that we go. And now all of a sudden we've got an adversary. You know not. Nothing ever works the way that it's supposed to, right? It should be simple. It should be the straight shot through. But there's all of a sudden this king, a uh, Canaanite king, he's like, you're not passing through here. And in fact, just because you thought about it, we're going to battle and I'm going to take some of your people captive. So Israel says, well, God, here's the deal. They're not letting us through. So I want to go against them. I don't really know where their mindset changed because do you remember those same people uh, kind of cowered down from stepping into the land of Canaan when the spies went out? We talked about it several weeks back. Uh, the, Caleb said, we can take them. Let's go. Let's move forward. And the other 10 spies are like, no, nah, if we go in there, they're going to devour us. And so those people cowered back, and for that reason, the whole generation of promise was lost. Well, now they're like, God, if you let us take them out, I'll destroy them, and I'll take their cities. So they go in, and they do that. And that's kind of where we get picked up now. They named the place Horma. There's always an adversary in the path. There's always something going to be in the middle of the road that wants to keep you from where God's trying to take you. It's never going to fail that that's going to be there. So they set out from Mount Hor, verse 4, set out from Mount Hor by the way of the Red Sea to go around the land of Edom. And the people became impatient because of the journey. That's a powerful statement. The people became impatient because of the journey. The people spoke against God and Moses, why have you brought us up out of Egypt to die in the wilderness? I bet you could have almost quoted that line before I got there. Right? Over and over and over. That's the same statement. They're using the same thing. Why have you brought us up out of the land of Egypt to die in the wilderness? This is an interesting statement to me. For there's no food and no water. And we loathe the miserable food. There's no food and there's no water. And we loathe the miserable food. The Lord sent fiery serpents among the people. And they bit the people so that many people of Israel died. So the people came to Moses and said, We've sinned because we have spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. And Moses interceded for the people. Then the Lord said to Moses, Make a fiery uh, serpent and set it on a standard or set it on a pole. Make a statue of a snake and put it on a pole. And it shall come about that every person or everyone who is bitten when he looks at it He'll live. And Moses made a bronze serpent and set it on a standard. And it came about that if the serpent bit a man, when he looked at the bronze serpent, he lived. I don't like snakes. One of the triumphant moments uh, of mine and Micah's marriage and my young adult life was we're hanging out in the garden one day at my mom and dad's house, and Micah looks up under this cucumber plant or something. She's like, there's a snake. Okay, just all calm, cool, collected, no big deal. And my dad, well, it's being Father's Day. We'll just talk about it. Being my dad, he's always made me conquer things that I didn't like. I used to have this tremendous fear of the dark. It was actually a, I believe that it was a um, oppression on my life. I struggled with fear and fear of the dark and so one night he goes and gets me and we walk in the pitch black middle of the woods and he says see son it's all right he's praying over me the whole time come to find out he was afraid that night um <laughs> he said you're fixing to kill this snake i said i ain't killing no snake he said you are gonna kill this snake 
So sure enough, I had to get a hoe, and that is, to my knowledge, the only snake I've ever killed with my hands with a hoe like that. I will shoot them from a distance all day, every day. But to put my hands on it and feel that thing moving, that was the only one. But I hate snakes. I hate them with a passion. And so here these people are complaining again. And this is really the last time that we see them complaining about the water. And they're, they're struggling and they're, they're aggravated. And I don't know what it's like. I don't know about you, but I know what it's like in my life when I'm on this journey and I feel like the same, I told you, we talked about it last week, we're the same emotions over and over and over through this, right? I feel like I'm dealing with the same problem over, I move past it and then I'm right back in the same place. And it's like, why, God, am I dealing with this? Why are you putting me right back in the same place? So I kind of get it to an extent, but over and over and over, God's provided for them. We just watched 30 days prior, the people mourned Aaron for 30 days. It's not been hardly a month, a month and a half. God brought water out of a rock. Yet here they are complaining again. I'm tired of being here, Moses. I'm done with this. Now we're having to go around our elbow to get to our thumb because we can't go the path we want to. And there's no water and there's no food and we hate the food we have. I'll give you three thoughts, three attitudes that I believe that we can apply to every one of our lives. And I even think that as fathers today, if we'll tune in just a little bit, we can fall on this and we can take these attitudes to heart. First of all, they were impatient. That verse hit me as I'm walking through this preparation for the journey. Be in that mindset with me, okay? Preparation for the promise. We're walking through the journey, walking through the journey. And all of a sudden, they say that, that the word says they were impatient with the journey. Why? What made them impatient? The only way you can be impatient is if you had expectations that were unrealistic. Right? And so from the time Moses took them out of Egypt, they, they stepped foot and they, they marched on out. They had to go through the Red Sea. They walked on. I don't know if somewhere they thought this is going to be a quick couple day journey. We'll make it to this land flowing with milk and honey where the fruit is huge. I don't know really kind of what they thought, but now they've grown impatient with the journey. Because they grew impatient with the journey, it's costing them a lot. It's happened over and over. Patience, uh, by definition, is the capacity to accept or tolerate delay, trouble, or suffering without getting angry or upset. I'm not a patient person. I struggle. It's not my, patience is not my virtue. I'm the guy that when I go to food line, I'll find the shortest line to get in, and then when I realize that the other person's actually checking out faster, I'll get out of my short line to go get in this line because that cashier is going faster than the one I had. And then somehow I still end up waiting longer than if I had just went to the longest line to start with. Is that you? That's me. Why can't I just slow down and enjoy the journey? I made the decision to go buy groceries. Part of that is waiting in the line. Walmart pickup is an amazing thing. But there have been days I've even got impatient there. I don't know why. I'm sitting in my car in the air conditioner. One day we had, we're in the Jeep and the top was back and I was just looking at the beautiful sky, taking in God's creation. And in just a moment, I'm like, I'm tired of waiting. 
patience is not my thing. So I get it. They're impatient with the journey. Their expectation had somehow already set them up for disappointment. I'm here to tell you that if you've not already figured it out, Lord bless you, I'm learning, I guess myself, this journey is a slow process. Wherever it is you're trying to get to, I, I started out, you know, like a year ago, I started trying to work out with the guys and I talked about it in a sermon. It didn't last very long. The gym shut down. Thank you, Jesus. They're not taking my money because the gym shut down. I mean, it was cool. I was in this groove and we had it kind of going on and I don't know, for somehow or another, I didn't just drop off the weight and build muscles. I couldn't understand why. Well, it, for one thing, it's because I love cookout. <laughs> and so my arms are really sore today because my mom bought me this awesome little thing called a power twister, and it's nothing but a spring with handles on the end of it. So I sat in the recliner last night, and I started cranking that thing down. God, I'm tired of waiting. Give me the muscles. And now my arms are sore because I don't like to wait. Whoever said the journey was going to be quick? All of, our, all of our married life, we, had, we started a small group uh, very, very shortly after we got married. And everybody that I've always spent time with have always been older than I am, Micah included. Uh, but our friends were always, <laughs> Lord bless, it's Father's Day, can I do what I want to? <laughs> always struggled. We would have this small group, and, and I don't know why, and I'll get there in just a minute, but... There were couples that were older than we were, guys that had jobs that were already advancing in their careers. They were already buying homes, and they, they were buying vehicles. And realistically, if we go back to this, it gets back to a materialistic situation. But my problem was is I wanted to be further along in life than I was. I always want my checking account bigger than it is. I know how to make it happen. You cut expenses and raise your income, you save money, right? That's easy for one month, but then I get impatient because I don't see it changing. And now here these people are impatient with the journey. And, and, and one thing that I guess we just have to get to the place of is we can't live in impatience. We've got to settle in and trust God. How much more easy going, how much better would this journey have been if they could have settled down in Canaan and sat on their front porch in their rocking chair with their great, 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 great grandbabies saying, let me tell you about the journey. Let me tell you how when nothing looked, it didn't look good. And we didn't have nothing to eat. We didn't have no water. God always knew. We didn't even have to ask him for it. God always knew what we needed when we needed. They couldn't sit there and tell that story. They didn't even get to get there. What would it have been like if they could have realized God is faithful? And it may take us a, a long way to get around, but that's okay because there's something for me to learn in the long way around. There's something for God to use me to do there's something for God to bless me through on the long way around. But they couldn't because they were impatient. 
just hit me. Because I'm impatient. I'm impatient with the journey so often. I've watched my babies learn how to walk. Now they run wide open. But it was a journey. And it started with one step. Knowing now what I know, if I couldn't take but one step, I think I'd just lay down and roll wherever I had to go. Right? If I had to fall every two or three steps, I'd be done. But somehow they get back up and they take two or three more and then they get back up and they take two or three more and my patience is gone because they're still falling and falling and falling but they keep getting up. I'm going to pick on Madeline just a minute. She's got a tooth that's been hanging on for like 300 days. It's nasty. It grosses Micah out. I don't know what her little tongue's going to do when it's gone because that, that little tongue's exercising is moving that teeth, that tooth. We could have pulled it, really. We could have pulled it like Monday. Madeline just sits in the patient mindset. Part of the journey for her. That tooth's turning black. It's nasty. She looks like she needs some, she's got some bubba teeth in. I mean, she just settled in and said, it'll come out when it's time. What if those people could have actually reached the promised land? Remember, it's a whole generation of promise that's not even going to get to go there. Remember? What would it have been like? I want to be able to sit back one day and give a testimony of where God used the journey to bless. I believe the promised land is going to be great. I'm learning so very quickly that it ain't really the promised land that's the blessing. It's the journey. I mean, my kids are going to be grown and gone one day. That's not, maybe it is, I ain't there yet. I don't know, you tell me. I can't wait to have my bed back to myself. But that's not the goal. The day that they graduate and leave high school, I don't believe that's when I've arrived. I believe this journey of fatherhood that I have of raising those babies is actually the blessing. Those people were impatient. Not only were they impatient, they were discontent. I wanted to kind of slap them in the face. We have no food and no water. And the food we have, we loathe that miserable food. So which is it? Do you have nothing or you don't like what God gave you? Can you really say, I don't have what I need? Or is it that what God has given you don't satisfy every little taste bud in your mouth and you don't like it? They're so blinded by their discontentment, it was literally bread from heaven. It was a representation of Jesus coming down and being the bread of life, sustaining them, giving them exactly what they needed, when they needed it, the exact portion that they needed. And they so messed up that they, we have nothing. Nah, you just can't see the blessing in what God has given you. The land flow of milk and honey don't come to the destination. God didn't promise it was going to be ribeye steak and baked potatoes and crab legs to the journey. That comes when I get there. And I struggled with this until I looked in the mirror 
which one is it? Do you really not have anything to eat and drink? Or you don't like it? The New Living Translation says the miserable manna. One translation is the detestable food. And I thought through my life. I'm a young man. So some of y'all older ones, if I can do this, you sure enough should be able to do this. How many times in our life have I complained and said I didn't have just because I didn't like the taste of what God gave me? That's a lie, straight from the pit of hell. I've got everything I could possibly need. I might not like God's blessings in this moment, but he has given me what I need. It may not be exactly what I want, but I've never gone without. Them people have manna every day of their life. God did not withhold it. They tried to double up and save it, and you remember that? Thank you, Holy Spirit. There was a day when they wanted double. It was so good to them then. Oh, we're going to hoard it all up. And now they won't even recognize they've got what they need. Discontentment is a dangerous thing. I told you last week, the, the thing that I've learned through this pandemic is I can't be defined by what I do, even in the ministry, but I've got to be defined by who I am and who God has created to me to be without the ministry. That's a place of discontentment. My emotional roller coaster has been I know what I'm called and I know what I'm created to do. And in this season, I've not been able to do that the way that I believe and I had formed in my mind that I was called and created to do that. And so I'm discontent with what I have. I'm discontent with the opportunities, the new opportunities that I have. It took me a little while. It took Mike a little while to be okay being at home 24-7. Why? It shouldn't have. That's who I am. I am the husband and I am the daddy to two babies. I get to be the, the priest of my home. I get to be the spiritual leader of my home. Why is it that just kind of roll with me. I can sit in this season and say, well, I don't have this. I, don't, I can't do this, whatever. But then in reality, here God's pouring it out. These people were discontent. God gets so ticked off with it. That's scary. To know that it was an attitude of discontentment that set God off. That's a scary thought. They had everything they needed. They had nourishment straight from heaven. But it wasn't good enough. 
I've heard people say, not you, thank the Lord. Jesus himself could pastor that church and those people wouldn't be happy. Jesus himself could cook your meal and it could make you happy. There's proof of that. The very blessings from heaven, divine food. I've ate some really, really good stuff, specifically this weekend. But none of it was straight, sent down. My imagination just went crazy. It was like the little bank tube. And you go to the drive-thru, it's... None of it came to my front door from heaven. And y'all wonder why I get sidetracked. Do you realize what I'm dealing with up here? Food literally sent from heaven. It literally was Jesus himself. And they couldn't be content. So God gets whatever you want to say God is angry. We'll be nice about it. A little ticked off. And now what was blessings come from heaven are now curses coming from the desert. Blessings were coming from heaven, but because of discontentment is now curses coming from the desert. Fiery serpents. The, the translation there should be poisonous snakes. I believe these snakes that came up when they bit created a, an inflammation. It would swell and it would burn to the point that that's why the rider, that's why Moses called them fiery serpents. It was the, the result of the bite that burned them and they, to the point of dying. Many people, you read it, many people died by snake bites. And now all of a sudden, we messed up. They've hit the hot button with God enough that he sent snakes to bite and kill the people. The snakes represent a lot of things in our life. Because Impatience and discontentment lead to a lot of things that hurt us. Because if I'm not fulfilled and I'm impatient on what God's trying to do, I take control and try to do it myself. And when I try to do it myself, when God has actually ordered the path, there's no way, shape, or form. I'm walking on what he's ordered and I step out on my own. Unprotected. Not led. Who knows what I'm about to get into. I'm discontent with what I've got and with what God's poured out on me. So I'm so messed up and, and, I, and I get to a point where I say, there ain't even no food or water here. So I begin to go look for my own food or water. And I begin to go look for the, my own thing that satisfies my flesh needs. Because what God's pouring out obviously ain't doing it enough for me. And before long, I've let snakes into my life. 
And there's bitterness that's crept in. There's anger that's crept in. There's this unfaithful mindset. There's sin that's crept in. The thing that we used to be able to put off because God was providing for us and we realized his direction for our life. Now we're so blinded by impatience and discontentment that anything goes. It's a free-for-all. And the snake bites end up killing us. God, being a good father, blows my mind. This is the side that my human flesh still hadn't quite arrived enough at the nature of God to understand yet. Because God was set off to the point that he was full of wrath to send snakes to kill these people. But with a simple heart of repentance, that's all it took, was we messed up. We need forgiveness. Moses, intercede on our behalf. There wasn't more to it. You see more to it? We've sinned because we've spoken against the Lord and you. Intercede with the Lord that he may remove the serpents from us. So the first two attitudes are the attitudes we should not have because they were of the people of Israel. The third attitude is what we see of God. God had an attitude of forgiveness because of their act of repentance. They said, we've sinned. We were impatient on the journey. We were discontent with what we had. First of all, that brings the reality of discontentment being a sin. Moses, you've got to intercede that God would take the serpents from us. So Moses goes to God, and it's so interesting to me. God's answer He actually didn't give the people what they wanted. I don't see anywhere that he took the serpents away. I don't see anywhere that the people quit being bitten. They messed up. Because they messed up, they paid a price. Nowhere do I find we move, we move straight from this story to verse 10 where the people of Israel moved out and camped at Oboth. Nowhere do I find that God took the serpents away. Instead, he tells Moses, build a statue we're tearing them down and Moses is building them. Erect a serpent, a snake on a pole. Whether it was bronze or whether it was copper, can be debated, but we know it was pure metal. Erect the snake on a pole. 
And when somebody has been bitten and they look at the statue, they'll live. Didn't say they won't go be bitten. But when they've been bitten and they look at the statue, they'll live. God showed a heart of forgiveness that when I sat in my recliner last night at wee hours praying through this and working through this, God said, as a father, with a simple heart of repentance, do you have an attitude of forgiveness? As a husband, with a simple act of repentance, do you have a heart and an attitude of forgiveness? I told you, this is where my flesh and my spirit are still attempting to collide. I don't I feel like I have an issue with forgiveness, but I ain't been ticked off quite to the point of releasing poisonous snakes on somebody either. But for it all to make sense, you've got to go to John chapter 3. Guys, I didn't give you this, but it's John chapter 3, verse 14. You watch, they're awesome enough, they're going to get it. Got it, Mr. Locklears. Maybe. Chapter 3. John chapter 3. Look at them. Ain't they awesome? They're some fine fellas back there. See, this is interesting because we know, without a doubt, John 3.16, right? People that I've asked what their favorite Bible verse is, they don't have a clue because they don't read the Bible. They say John 3.16 because they know it, and that's the answer. You know John 3.14? As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so the Son of Man must be lifted up. So here's what's interesting about this book. Numbers. Boring mundane, history, ancient texts don't make any sense. All of it points to Jesus because they're impatient. They're discontent. They have ticked off God to the point he's killing them with poisonous snakes. The manna, the bread of life that God's sending down is not even good enough for them anymore. But yet, just as the serpent was lifted up in the wilderness. The snake was put on the pole and all they had to do was look at it. I believe that it won't just a quick glance. I believe that they had to commit their vision. They had to stop what they're doing 
In the midst of the agony, in the midst of the burning, in the midst of the pain, the snake has bit them. They've got to forget the snake bite for a moment and focus on the statue. And when they focus, they won't die. So as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so it must be the Son of Man must be lifted up. Let's go to 15. So that whoever believes in him will have eternal life. And that's where we flow into where everybody knows. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. There's an attitude of forgiveness that my human flesh can't grasp. And then we get to the reality that it's the same attitude of forgiveness that God had to give me in order that I might have life eternally. So the only way that I can portray that attitude and I can put that off on the people around me is by getting to a point where God's spirit is so indwelled within me and my actions are not my own, but my actions are that of God that I can have the attitude of forgiveness that God had on his people and that he has had on his people from the beginning. Impatience, discontentment, Bring us all kind of snakes. Snakes that don't go away, actually. But because of God's attitude of forgiveness, I can live through the snake bite. I know that I've got a way of cutting up and goofing off, making you laugh. I kind of like that because it makes me more comfortable. The fact of the matter is, though, so often we're impatient with the journey. And as simple as this word is, it's a, it's a word of truth today. Our impatience will put us at a place that overtakes us. Discontentment. Next time you cry out to the Lord or you look at what you don't have, maybe we need to make sure we're not just turning away from the taste of what God's actually given us. Because he's given us what we need. Everything that we need. I ain't got to like it. I just got to eat it. I started eating broccoli. I don't like broccoli. But you know why I eat it? Because it's part of the journey. I ain't got to like it. I just got to eat it. Impatience and discontentment will bring some snakes of life that will grab hold of you and mess you up. But the heart of the Father is a heart of forgiveness. Father, God, I love you. 
Father, I thank you for my journey. I thank you, Lord, that although the journey is long and there are days that it's tiresome and there's days that it's aggravating, there's days it makes no sense. God, give me the endurance to run this race the way that you see fit, that I would run it to the day of completion and I would receive my prize. God, whatever this journey is taking us to, whatever place it is you have for us, whether it's a, an attitude adjustment, whether it's this new place in our marriage, whether it's this new place of raising kids in a different way, God, whether it's this new place of just mending relationships with people, whether it's a place of mending a relationship with you, I don't know what it looks like, God, but it's a journey. You never promised that the journey would be easy. You never promised that the journey would be simple. You never promised that the journey would be fulfilling, God, and I'd have this abundance of everything I, I could ever want, God. But the, the journey, I'm gonna always have everything I could ever need. God, let us not have an attitude of impatience today. Let us as fathers be patient individuals. Let us be patient dads. Let us be patient men. Allowing for faults and allowing for failures of, of our brothers and, and, and our, our spouses and our kids, the ones around us. God, let us be content with what it is you blessed us with. Lord, your blessings are so much far greater than anything we could ever ask or think or imagine, Father. The manna from heaven that you give us each and every day, you, Lord, as the bread of life, should be enough to sustain us. Regardless of anything else going on around us, you, Lord, should be enough. Let us sit in contentment, God, in your blessings. Father, and give us a heart of forgiveness that you have. Father, let us, on a simple act of repentance, find it deep within ourselves only by your power, by the power of the Holy Spirit, to offer the same kind of forgiveness that you would offer. Father, I thank you today for that forgiveness. I thank you, Lord, that, that you've forgiven me, that you love me. I thank you that just as Moses had to raise that serpent in the wilderness, you raised your son, Jesus, on a cross so that by me fixing my eyes on him, I could have eternal life. I thank you for that, Lord. I praise your name, God. Lord, if there's any in the house today, if there's any watching online that don't know you, Father, I pray that something's been said today, something's been stirred in their hearts to make you real in their life. Father, if there's one that don't know you today, we want to give them an opportunity. If you're in the house, you don't know Jesus as your Savior. If you're watching online and you don't know Christ, I want to give you an opportunity to come to know him today, just to look and fix your eyes on Jesus for a minute, and those snakes don't have to hurt you anymore. You don't have to be bound to the problems of life, to the, the sin. Yeah, there are still going to be snakes, but they don't hurt and they don't kill you anymore. That's you. I want to lead you in a prayer. Family, you in the house, would you pray this prayer with me? Lord Jesus, I recognize I'm a sinner in need of a Savior. I'm nobody on my own. I need you. I recognize that, God, you sent your son to die on a cross. He spent three days in the grave and he rose from the dead that I could be free.
You gave your life, Jesus. Now I give you mine. Change me. Make me new. Lead my life. In Jesus' name. Amen.